Sports are really important vehicles for relationships. We have purpose. We have a why. We bring people together. We connect. I feel like God is our greatest supporter and our greatest coach. Welcome to Rabbi on the Sidelines. This is Eresh, Rabbi Eresh Sherman from Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. We are just hours Yesterday, from the completion of the NCAA championship, where the Yukon Huskies beat the San Diego State Aztecs in a thrilling game. The entire tournament was thrilling. But one of the most special people over the last couple of years that have made March Madness exactly that is a woman of faith from Loyola Chicago University of the Ramblers, the chaplain of the team, World famous Sister Jean. Sister Jean, it's so good to have you. How are you? Oh, I'm just fine, especially after that introduction. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have lots of blessings today. We're going to, I like, to, in our tradition, we say you start with the ordinary and you go to the sacred. So the ordinary is basketball. Did you watch the game last night of the Yukon Huskies? Oh, I did. Certainly. I, I hadn't to be out for dinner and I was just hoping we'd finish before the game started. And sure enough, I got back to the Claire where I live right now and I was ready to turn on the TV and there they were. Well, I know that on Good Morning America, you chose the Kentucky Wildcats and I know <laughs> that exactly didn't work out. So did you ever think San Diego State would be there? No, I didn't because... Um, some years ago, we played them and we beat them, and they were devastated because that happened. I happened to know the dean out there, and she said they were just heartbroken to come to Chicago and lose a game. And then when they got so far, but you know what? It all depends on on the how the people work on those brackets. I I don't think they were fixed so well this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of surprises. Really, there are a lot of moments of faith that into this tournament and also basketball. So let's start with you because you have an ability to balance the world of faith and the world of sports. And that's what I grew up with. Not only am I a rabbi, but my father is a rabbi as well. And he taught me that you can do both at the same time. So let's talk about the faith journey. You entered the uh, the a calling, if you wish, but faith was always a part of your life and your family growing up in a diverse neighborhood in San Francisco. Where did the faith aspect come into you and into your journey? Oh, well, my mom taught us prayer very early and told us that God loved us. She said, your dad and I love you and we love you very much and you love us, but God loves you even more. Mm -hmm. And so you have to love him. And you have to tell him that you love him. And when you tell him, talk to him, that is a prayer. So that's, that's what I try to even teach boys and girls when I was taught in the elementary school in Los Angeles. Yes. There for 30 years. And then... Um, we miss you here. <laughs> well, I had a lot of fun there, too, because <laughs> I taught uh, these boys and girls who were very active and had a lot of time on their hands. And that's why I had uh, permission the principal to talk to the pastors about, two pastors about starting uh, sports programs. Mm -hmm. 
And because, as you said, you can do both. And that's what we did. And so a lot of the schools that you taught at did not have a sports program. And when you asked the principal, they basically told you, sister, you start it. And so why did you find the need to bring sports into these Catholic schools as such a must for these children? Because I think that they need this kind of, this has to be part of their education. And I think uh, actually uh, President Kennedy was, was very good about saying that teachers had to take physical education courses in order to help these boys and girls. And that happened in the 60s before I even got to L.A., I mean, left L.A. So we were, we were following the president's um, real love for sports. But there, there is a connection between sports and faith. There's a connection between sports and academic work. Mm-hmm. And it also is helping the healthy uh, aspect of the with children's lives. And so when I went to the pastor, it wasn't just that I wanted more to do. And <laughs> they said to me, well, we'll do it if you take care of it. And I said, oh, I'll take care of it. Sure. And I loved every minute of it. And, and we belonged to the CYO in L.A., which was a Catholic youth organization. Absolutely. And we, you know, were in teams, all kinds of um, sports for boys and girls. And we, we never thought about Title IX at that time. And we just thought whatever we do for the boys, we do for the girls. Mm-hmm. Except for football, we didn't want to do that. <laughs> And, and the the boys did well. It was it was just fun, and we got to know more people. We we just um, and we did pray to God. And people say to me, "Well, does God want to know about basketball?" And I said, "Sure, I want him to know what, what we're playing today. He's interested in us." And it's actually interesting because over the last two years, I've spoken to coaches and broadcasters and athletes, and so many of those people that I have spoken to said that the court and the locker room is our sanctuary. Mm-hmm. What That's- aspects of the basketball team have you seen as your congregation and the sacred sanctuary? Well, first of all, let me tell you that I always pray with a team mm-hmm. just before they go in for their final warm up before a game. And, um, we're very serious about that prayer. We're in, actually, we say it in the quiet spot in the concourse that leads into the um, arena. And so I always begin by good and gracious God. We ask God to be with us during the game, that we don't want any injuries. We want to play with good, be good sportsmen as we play. And of course, then I give them a little scouting report that I've done. And I, the coach doesn't mind that I do that because <laughs> we're on the same page. And um, I just tell them to watch out for certain players on their oppo- uh, uh, 
an opponent team, and they listen to me, and they're they're very um, very serious about our prayer. And then I bless their hands mm-hmm. as they go into the into the arena. They do take our prayer seriously. And one of the young men, when we first started doing this, said, well, for him, it was the first doing it. He's, Dante Ingram said to a reporter once, I thought she's going to say all holy stuff, he said. But then she starts giving a report, and then I know she knows basketball. So that that's the way I get close to them and letting them know I know something about the game, you know. So I'm going to show a little video of you praying with the team, the Ramblers, that we caught here. Okay. Our heads and our hearts and let people know the passion we have for this, for this game and for this tournament. We need your help to beat Miami. And as we look at the board, scoreboard and hear the last buzzer, we want to be sure that the numbers indicate that we earned the big W. So there's a picture that says, worship, work, and win. How did you come up with that slogan that allows the success of the Loyola Ramblers as well as really the sacred work that you do? Um, that that was really inspiration from the Holy Spirit because they said to me, oh, we would like a little slogan from you, Sister Jean, or some words of wisdom that we can uh, print in the uh, exercise room so the fellows look at it every day and not just the basketball team, but athletes who go in do, to do that part of their training. So I just said, came up with that, just like talking to you, and just said, oh, it's worship, work, and win. We pray. We pray to God. We ask him to help us. We work hard and practice, and then that gives us a win. Now, that might mean that doesn't mean that we win every game, but it means that we win something in addition to a game. Yes, yes. And we, you know, it might be that we've improved our team skills, or it might be that we've improved our our shots. Whatever it is, we're winning some way, and we're helping ourselves with in life. And so, a lot of what you speak about is right winning off the court while doing something on the court. And a lot of what we do in the religious realm, rabbis and sisters and fathers and imams, all different types of faiths, is that we have a way to deal with the losses as well, both in spiritual loss, but even in physical loss as well. And so let's start with the games that you lose. Is there a prayer after that you say when a team has lost in order to get to the next game? So that's number one. Um. We don't we don't pray. We just come off the uh, court the way everybody every other team does, and then we just shake hands. Um, before COVID, we used to, <laughs> we used to give big hugs, but the COVID has stopped all that stuff for us now, which the team misses and which I miss, and um, it's our. Um, Behavior between winning and losing is different when they come off the court, mm-hmm. of course. But th- we know that we are 
sorry about the loss. So they get an email from me the following day. Oh, wow. And um, everybody gets his own, except if I, if I can't see the game on my TV it, when it's a road game, um, I I have find it a little more difficult to write a, mm -hmm. a an email to them. But I do write the email. The body of it is generic, and by that I mean I make general comments. And first of all, I'm sorry we lost the game, you know, but we we know our mistakes, and we'll we'll improve for the next game. So we. Then at the end of the email is like a little PS that calls the person by name and says, well, you know, maybe we need more threes from you. <laughs> or, so, or what, where did those threes go? Yes, yes. I think uh, San Diego State could have used a little of that prayer last night. But you also bring together different faiths. And one of those faiths that I believe Loyola Chicago was able to incorporate over these last few years was the Muslim community. And you tell a beautiful story in your book. And if you haven't gotten a copy of the newly released book, I have it right here. Mm -hmm. Sister Jean, Wake Up With Purpose, What I've Learned in My First 100 Years, written with Seth Davis, the wonderful journalist on CBS Sports. And you mentioned the mascot. Maybe tell us the story of that mascot and of a different faith community that basketball brought you together. Well, our, the mascot we're talking about, we have we have several mascots, you know, during the year because they can they also appear at the volleyball games and the, oh, nice. and the women's basketball games. So that we can't have just one mascot. <laughs> this particular mascot is a Muslim, and his name is. Um, Worsham, and we, we call him Sam. And he, he was, he still is. He's a great young man. He now has his law degree, and wow. he's working in a law office before he begins to practice himself. And he's really excited about this. Sam was an unusual um, mascot, and our mascot is a wolf. And so he had, he's in a wolf costume, and he nobody really knows who's inside that costume mm -hmm. when they come out on the, on the court. He was an, a resident assistant for three years in the residence hall, besides being a mascot. And it's very interesting when he went to Michigan State uh, to for his interview to for his law degree. Uh, they asked him um, what kind of activities he was involved in at Loyola as an undergrad. So he, he told them, and they said, uh, when it said mascot, they said, oh, how would you like to be, you know, a uh, mascot for, for uh, Sparky? And he said, oh, I would love it, love it. And one arm would probably be in, for Sparky and one would be for Lou Wolf. But... He said, I'm, I'm here to study for law. I better not take that risk and, and get my grades lower than I should be get them in order to practice. So he was not sparky. <laughs> but, but we, he, he, was, he was a great, great um, a, a mascot, great blue wolf. 
could actually take care of little children as well as the adults and get them involved in the game. And so the universal language of basketball, right, brings people of different faiths together. But something that you have witnessed in your amazing life was the game of change, the Loyola versus Mississippi State, where it also brought people of different races together, specifically under Coach Ireland and the player Jerry Harkness. If you can take us back to that moment, because for me, I grew up in upstate New York, and the basketball court is where I met different kids of different faiths and coaches of different races as well. Today, in a society where we're so connected through technology, but not through individuality and peoplehood, what did that game of change mean where black and white could play the game together? Well, as you say, it's the game of change, and that's, that's what it was. And it wasn't done purposely. It was done because George Ireland um, did, what, did what he pleased and had more black uh, students mm -hmm. on the court than the rules uh, permitted. But he, he was a, um, a man who did what, what his people should be doing today, and that is choosing people who can do the job. And that is a job if you want to think about it that way. Right. But it's, um, it's the, same way, the same rule should apply when we hire faculty, staff, you don't just look, you don't look at their color. You look at the qualifications that they have to fulfill the, the duties and responsibilities of the positions. And I, I think that sometimes we forget that mm -hmm. when we're hiring people. We try to get a percentage and that, that's, that's unreal. God doesn't want a percentage of people in heaven. He wants everybody there. Amen, sister. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And so, you know, um, percentages just don't work out. It's the people. It's the people who make the things work. Mm -hmm. And the people who want to be there will be the ones who we should hire. So that that's uh, whether that answers your question. But I, I watched that game on TV. Mm -hmm. A little 11 and a half inch TV screen. <laughs> wow. Black and white. And, but it was n noticeable when the black hand, mm. hands with the white man's hands. And uh, it, I, I just, when I see our documentary, it means more than, than it did before because they, the, Pat Crudon did a great job in a documentary of the game, game of change. And those men really formed a relationship with the, the, the two groups. And when we celebrated the 50th anniversary, mm -hmm. we, mil we milked every minute of it. And we had a great time getting them here, getting their team here. And when we played them, the the 50th anniversary team, there was just a difference of two points in our winning the game. It's and actually amazing that Lucas Williamson, the star of the 2018 18 team to the Final Four, was the narrator of that documentary, which really, we like to say in our tradition, Lador Vador, from generation to generation. Oh, and the fact that this young man was now leading this next generation was just a beautiful thing to see and hear. 
Yes, I, I believe that. And the, the thing is, too, that Porter Moser, our former uh, mm -hmm. coach, invited the fellas from 63 to wow. meet with these young men. Mm -hmm. And Jerry came and, you know, they, they just, they loved him. Yes, they really did. And they listened to them. And th there were so many um, similarities between the two teams. The, the teamwork was exceptional with the 63 team and with the 18 team. And so um, it, it shows me and it should show other people too that we respect the, what, the, the tradition that's occurred at Loyola University and we want to carry on that tradition. That doesn't mean we're going to win or get to the uh, Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or the Final Four every year, but we're going to do our best to get as high as we can. Mm -hmm. So you brought religion to the forefront in 2018 with the famous scarf, with the Sister Jean literally around the world. I've just read and actually this book, if you haven't gotten this book, sorry, Unbracketed, which tells the story of Villanova, of Gonzaga, of Loyola, Chicago and Davidson. Sister Jean, I've actually interviewed three of the four universities here. I had Father Hagen from Villanova on a couple of weeks ago. Oh. I had coach Bob McKillop, who unbelievably took his team to Auschwitz and shared the story of humanity with his team. Oh. And now I have Loyola Chicago. So just Gonzaga to go. But in that book, uh, it says that you uh, had more tweets, I believe over 20,000 than coach K from Duke and Bill Self from Kansas combined. The fact that a religious leader was the leading public presence of a final four what did that mean for religion in America and how we don't have to hide behind anything, but we can be the center of leading a moral life in this country? Well, it's interesting that you bring up that um, part of the final four because I had letters from people saying that how touched they were, how mm -hmm. now they, they were going to, one man wrote me a letter and said, and I don't know what his religious uh, commitment was, but he told me that he hadn't been to church for a long time, but he was going to start right wow. again. And that was close to Easter, he said, and that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And I'll go to church thereafter. Other people told me that they began to think of their religion uh, in, a, in a better way than they had before and, and really talked to God and, talk to him and ask him for things and so that some letters were very very simple they were written by people of all ages and um that meant a lot to me and that didn't mean that i was doing all that work i was really a serendipitous part of all of this because porter and his coaches and the team were the ones who did all the work and got the honor but it just seemed to come my way, and I couldn't believe it. The first morning, morning when I woke up after we beat the first bracket, I thought, oh, this is for real. Let's get going, girl. <laughs> well, maybe our uh, sermons and our homilies will one day bring the publicity that 
your run in the final four brings as well. So we are, as you just spoke about, in Holy Week, both in the Catholic tradition and just tomorrow on in two, two days, the Passover also begins. Um, what is the message perhaps that we can find in our common ground of Passover and Easter that we can give to the sports community that just finished their Holy Week of the final four? Is there a message out there? Well, there's, there's a message that we we have more likenesses than we have differences, mm -hmm. and we need to respect what each other does. And um, that's for everybody to know that, because when they persecute, and I like to use that word, because mm -hmm. when they destroy synagogues and set fires to Catholic churches and that, that to me, that, it's inexcusable, but of course God would eventually forgive that if we're sorry. But um, it it just it makes me sad when when they attack religion because that that's so lowly to do that and or to attack anybody. And so we we need to talk to each other to respect each other. We can't have, uh, like, we can't have the, the Jewish people in one uh, committee and the non-Jewish people in another committee. We have to get together and talk to each other and respect each other. And that's what we do at Loyola. We have so many different faiths here that uh, we try to accommodate every one of them and, uh, like, in the campus ministry office, they have a, a Muslim um, counselor there, a campus minister, who does great work not only with the Muslims but with others. We have the, the bathing facilities that they need for before their prayer. Mm. We have uh, this uh, Hillel uh, group of students, and as I mentioned before, we began the program. We even have a volunteer who extends herself um, because she worked here before. And they, she and her family, I went to know, planted a tree for me in Is Israel. Wow. Have you been to Israel yet? Yes, I have. Wow. Tell us about that story. Well, I, I went there in 1994 wow. to the Holy Land. And we visited all your wonderful places there. And um, it was a great experience. And talk about putting travel and religion together. Mm -hmm. That was wonderful. We had a great tour guide, a Franciscan father. And there were 50, 40 of us in the bus. And we, we just, we were gone for 10 days. And, oh, I should bring you up to date when you talked about the Holocaust just mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. Well, um, this year, um, our athletic director and committee wrote a proposal to the A10 uh, conference for a grant mm -hmm. to visit the uh, Holocaust uh, Museum in Skokie. Oh, in wow. And it, this is going to be a real response to uh, the, the all of the athletes are going there. They've arranged for transportation to visit there for uh, like a three-hour tour of the Holocaust 
museum. Well, we would love to have them on this podcast after their experience there. And like you said, these religious faiths speaking together and about the persecution, but really about human dignity. Um, and actually, again, in our tradition, but in our in our shared tradition from the book of Genesis in Hebrew, we say, but Elohim, that each one of us is made within God's image. And therefore, to imitate God is to actually have relationship with each other. And that's what I've uh, both seen with you on the court and off the court as well. So this book right here, I know you didn't want to write it, but you did. Why, after 100 years, did you say, I'm going to wake up with purpose? How did you come up with that title? And why did Seth Davis say, sister, I need to do this with you? Well, first of all, I, there about six fellows have approached me after the final four and said, oh, you have to write a book, Sister Jean. Oh, I said, I can't. I don't have time. I have too much to do. I have a full-time job at Loyola. I have to see these students. No, I have to take care of the basketball team. No. So then about a year ago, before, uh, a little more than 20, I guess 20 months is what Seth said. He, <laughs> he, he called me and he had talked to Porter Mosier and Porter said, you got to get Sister Jean to write a book. I'm going to give you her cell phone number. And if you know Seth at all, he acts right away. Yep. So he called me right away. No, I said, I don't think I can do it. I, I told six other people I couldn't do it. He said, I, I went to think about it. And I said, well, I will have to talk this over with my congregation and with my employer to see how this would work. And they said to me, go for it, Sister Jean. So he made it sound so easy, and it was real fun. Because mm -hmm. the first time we met was for five hours. Wow. That didn't, that didn't include lunch. But <laughs> at lunch, we still kept going because, again, if you know Seth, you don't waste any time. And so I said, tell people he worked, he worked me and pushed me very hard, but gently. And it reminds me of the Passover story because the, the, the commandment that we are told to do is to tell our story. And in mm -hmm. fact, it's to tell our story as if we were slaves in Egypt, the Exodus story. And each one of us should be reminded of where we came from, but as importantly in this unbelievable book of Wake Up With Purpose, to find the purpose for why we are going forward. And you can't have the future going forward without this past as well. And so one last question, because I uh, just, first of all, thank you to have the ability to speak with you as a faith leader within the sports world, I know is going to inspire so many other faith leaders. Actually, two last questions, just kind of want to get one extra in there. Number one, um, what is your message to faith leaders to engage young people in religion, not in our sanctuary, right? When I started this, people thought I was crazy that a rabbi was going to talk to people about sports. And now I'm talking to faith leaders who've had their career in sports. So what would be your advice to young faith leaders to engage other people in religion that's maybe not in the actual churches or synagogues or mosques? Well, I think that people should not be afraid to talk about God. I, you know, it, if they hesitate to talk about God, there's something scaring them or mm -hmm. something they feel that they're not worthy to talk to God. But if God loves us, uh, we, we've got to talk to him. 
and they don't have to, they say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, all you do is talk to God, and that's a prayer. No matter what you do, if you say his name, that's a prayer. And that's the way you start out. And when you have a friend, you sit down with the friend and you talk. You don't read the, you don't read a book to the friend. So why why do you have to have a book to talk to God? God's your friend. And just make it part of part of your life. And just as my mother did when when we were young to talk about God and did we know about God? Well, we just thought at that time that we could see a big cloud and see God in mm-hmm. it. You know. But then it, it, it was easy then. It gets harder. And believe it or not, sometimes it gets harder as you get older. To You get more questions. And then you, yes. you, you say to yourself, oh, I didn't even know that, you know. Or why, did, why didn't I know that Well, when I heard it? Well, we just we weren't ready for it. That's, that's why it's like uh, even raising a family that sometimes parents come in pretty blindly my dad used to say I didn't know anything about marriage and I didn't know anything about raising kids but mom and I did the best thing we could mm-hmm. and they, they did a good job at least I feel they did and um, they started out with religion and it, it doesn't They'd say t- sometimes, well, I'm not a Catholic. I said, well, you have to choose. Whatever you believe in, you have to choose. And it's just one God, but maybe we approach him in a different way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, because we have to respect what you believe in. You have to respect what I believe in. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, again, I say more, more like with... Uh, your religion, we have more similarities than than we have differences. It's actually interesting because some of my best friends who can speak the theological language are the people of other faiths that were in the same, let's call it business, right? But just in on, on different uh, on different streets and boulevards. Um, and so, like I said, some of my best friends are some of people within the Jewish, Christian, and Catholic and Muslim communities because we are pastoring. And now having this community of faith leaders within sports is also just unbelievable. And so we're one hours, just hours after the final four. We're looking towards next year. Tell us your prediction for the Ramblers, maybe a little college basketball prediction, and give us a blessing of gracious God on this Passover, Easter, and Ramadan season. Okay. Well, that, that's a whole mouthful, Ola. <laughs> on that, but I'll see if I can, if I skip anything you ask me. No problem. Again. Um, and anyhow, um, let me talk about the next season. Because we had our first experience with A-10, this year we know better how those uh, teams from that, those sections of the country play. It's mm-hmm. a little bit different from what we're used to. And when we went into the, from the Horizon League to the Valley, well, we it took us a while. It took us two years, really, to get settled and to play well because we were very uncertain. 
we had to gain confidence that we could do it. So we get into the A10 and the same thing. I, I don't think it'll take us two years this time, but we know better how those uh, teams play. And we're going to have a lot of the same people there because the NCAA is graciously giving these uh, young people yes, an extra year. An extra year because of COVID. And we're really happy about that because we have uh, some of our good fellas. And I, I'm not going to tell them now who they are because maybe those other teams will hear me and I don't want them to hear me. I know all the whole NCA after the Final Four is actually watching this podcast right now. So we're going to keep that a secret. Yeah, that part is going to be a secret. But um, uh, it, it's going to be fun talking about it. And I know that. Um, they're back to school. And this is the hardest part of the year for all athletes mm -hmm. whose season is completed because it's like a big pulling away of such great responsibility of practice and playing games and traveling, going on the road. And we had to go on the road a lot this year and had to keep up academically. So there's a big hole there. I'm sure poor uh, Drew will keep them very busy practicing. They'll go home for a while, come back around the 1st of July or some of them in August. I mean, some of them in June. And they'll, they'll practice again. And I know we'll, we'll be better for having had this experience this year. So what? What? how far will they go? Uh, I have to see that some of the other teams are doing too. And it's, it's going to be harder to get into a bracket, but we'll get there someday. We have to have faith that we're going to do that. Got to have faith. Absolutely. To say we can do it. We can do it. And maybe the first year we'll get to the sweet 16. That, then they'll say to me, oh, Sister Jean, you broke your bracket. And then I'll say, keep breaking it. Okay, breaking it again. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to share with you um, my favorite verse from our sacred tradition. And maybe you'll share with your to end as well. And mine comes from your inspiration. In Hebrew, it's from the book of Psalms. This is the day that God made. Let us rejoice in it. Maybe we can hear your uh, favorite verse that you often uh, use or bring to bring to your bring to your congregation as well to conclude our program. Okay, good and gracious God, during these days of special prayer for many, many religions and many people of many religions, we ask you to bless us, to bring us closer to each other, to understand each other, and to show that we are all really brothers and sisters and that we believe in the one God who helps us and perhaps sometimes we don't ask enough things from him because he must get lonesome too for hear yeah. from us. So we ask you, gracious God, to give us the, all the help that we need to be the kind of people who are your made created to your image and likeness. Amen. Amen. Sister Jean. There is nothing like sharing a prayer with you during this holy week of Easter and Passover. If you haven't gotten this book, please do. Sister Jean with Seth Davis, Wake Up With Purpose, 
what I've learned in my first hundred years. Also, if you're a college basketball fan, a shout out to Graham Honaker from Butler University, who also connected me with Sister Jean. Unbracketed the unbelievable stories of Villanova, Gonzaga, Davidson, and Loyola Chicago. Don't worry, even though they cut down the nets, there's plenty of unbelievable college basketball stories out there. Sister Jean, God bless the Ramblers, and God bless you, my friend. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you so much, and God bless you. God bless. 